November 3. Be part of the team, it's time to come to the aid of America on November 3. You need to be seen, it's time to come to the aid of America. Go to the polls and cast your vote, time to have your say. Let your voice be heard now, we can make such a beautiful Welcome to your voting guide by the League of Women Voters. This is Vivian Hart, and I will be your host on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. We are a nonpartisan organization, and we encourage citizens to be informed about and active in our government. We do not support or oppose any political party or candidate. Our goal with this program is to present unbiased information about candidates, the issues, and our voting process relating to the upcoming general election on November 3rd. We are delighted that you've joined us today. I'm going to be interviewing Mark Napier and Chris Nanos, who are candidates for the Pima County Sheriff's Department. The Pima County Sheriff's Department is a law enforcement agency that serves the unincorporated areas of Pima County and works in partnership with our community and surrounding agencies to provide effective and professional public safety services. It operates six district offices and three smaller satellite offices. In addition, the Sheriff's Department includes the Corrections Bureau that has four facilities that house an average of 1,850 inmates per day. The Sheriff's Department is committed to law enforcement reform using three pillars, accountability, community engagement, and transparency. I would like to welcome Mark Napier. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and have a chance to uh, visit with you uh, today. The first question I'd like to ask you is, why are you uniquely qualified to be our county sheriff? Well, I think the uh, the first thing is, um, as I was going through my law enforcement career, I've been a, uh, in law enforcement since 1981. Uh, I've worked on four different law enforcement agencies, so I have a pretty broad base of experience. In addition to that, I spent eight years as an administrator at the University of Arizona, uh, which again provided me a different view of the world than somebody who's been embedded in law enforcement for the entirety of their career. Uh, and also, in addition to that, I, I was an instructor uh, with Boston University in their online master's in criminal justice program for 15 years. So I have a very broad base and a very diverse base of professional experience. I've worked for the Department of Justice as a peer reviewer on federal grant programs, uh, leadership consultant, and as I said, to on four different law enforcement agencies. The one thing that came clear to me as I, I engaged my career and I, I became more tenured in law enforcement is that law enforcement was becoming increasingly complex. So I went back to school as a working adult, as a police officer, got my undergraduate degree in social psychology at Park University. And then as I became a commander, I realized that law enforcement was even more complex uh, at the command level. So I went back to school again and obtained my master's degree from Boston University in criminal justice. I did very well in that program, and subsequently they hired me as a teacher in 2004, and for 15 years I instructed in that program. Honestly, I think I learned more about criminal justice 
uh, by teaching than I did by going through my my graduate program. So I think experience um, and the diversity and the depth of that experience is um, a unique qualifier. And also that I've got a very strong educational background. I'm a graduate of the Senior Management Institute for Police, the Arizona uh, State University Public Executive Training Program. I have a certificate in public policy management from the University of Arizona, and I'm currently enrolled in the FBI's National Executive Institute. Um, had I not become a law enforcement officer, I would have been a teacher. Uh, that was my second passion. And as fate would have it, I ended up being both of those things. Another thing I think is kind of unique is that I'm um, in several leadership roles. I currently serve as the vice president of the Arizona Sheriff's Association. And I'm also the vice president of the major county sheriffs of America, which is limited to the 100 largest sheriffs in the United States. I serve on many committees, both at a state level and a national level, which provide me an even more depth of experience and understanding in critical criminal justice issues. And I think those things really make me uniquely qualified to service as our, our sheriff. What do you see as the one or two most critical issues that need to be addressed in this position? Well, I wish that there were one or two that are silver bullets. And if you just did those one or two things very well, everything else would fall into place. But I think public safety in general is an obvious one. The um, unincorporated areas of our county rely on the sheriff's department for public safety. And uh, that's a very important thing. It's it's not a partisan issue. Public safety is not a partisan issue. It's not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's a quality of life issue. It's a community issue. So I think reliance upon the sheriff's department to maintain public safety and to be responsive um, is a primary issue for our sheriff's department. But then, as you mentioned in your intro, uh, the detention center is another primary responsibility that's very unique to sheriffs that chiefs of police do not have. Currently, there are about 1,400 people in our detention center. And um, with the COVID crisis, this is even more of a concern because we're trying to keep the uh, virus out of the general population of the jail. So this is a very critical facet of uh, what consumes my day is general public safety in our county and then maintenance of our detention center. But I think on a more global scale, uh, restoration of public trust in law enforcement has certainly been fractured recently. And I think any law enforcement executive that doesn't realize that, doesn't approach that as a fundamental duty and challenge currently is really uh, missing the mark. And then lastly, I would say that the Pima County Sheriff's Department, again, as you pointed out in your intro, is, is a very large business. And while I've been a very good cop for a very long time, and I, I'm a decorated law enforcement officer, I've been decorated in the line of duty several times, my job right now, I feel, is to run a very big business. We employ nearly 1,500 people. We have a service area of 9,200 square miles. We operate 24-7, 365, and have a budget of $160 million. That kind of makes me the CEO of a very large business. So I try to break some business acumen to the, the role of sheriff, and I see that as a very important part of my job as well. All right. What would you say your priorities are regarding law enforcement or law enforcement reform? Well, as you pointed out in your intro, um, we've just ad adopted the ACT reform plan. Uh, one thing that became clear to me in my dialogues with uh, the White House in Washington, D.C., is that reform is coming. Uh, there's no question that some measure of law enforcement reform is is coming. Now, we could wait, meaning the Sheriff's Department, we could wait to see what happens, take a wait and see attitude and, and see what comes down from Washington, D.C., or we could act. And that's what we chose to do. Um, so we captioned that with kind of a neat little acronym, which is the ACT plan accountability, community engagement, transparency. 
And this is more than just a, a buzz phrase. It's really what we're going to, how we're going to approach it. Um, if people go to our website, pemasheriff.org, they will be able to see very clearly a community accountability page. And on that page are a lot of things that you would customarily have to do a public records request for. And I said to my staff, well, if these things are already public records. Why don't we push them out and publicize them so people don't have to search about for them or go through the onerous process of filing a public records request? So disciplinary history, budget, demographics, staffing, almost anything that you could imagine wondering about is on our community accountability page. In community engagement, we're going to um, be more engaged with our community than we ever have been before. And I think that's really important. We have the Sheriff's Citizens Community Advisory Council. We're implementing a citizen review panel to look at major discipline and major uh, uses of force incidents. So we're going to be more engaged with the community than we ever have been in the past. And transparency is uh, obviously it's an overused word, but it really is necessary for public trust. And a lot of the activities in the nation have fractured public's trust in law enforcement. So we've committed ourselves to a greater degree of transparency as well as part of the act plan. And I'm holding commanders rigidly responsible for implementation of this plan. So it's not something that's a flash in the pan thing, but it's something that we'll be committed to moving forward. I'm glad to hear that. You'll be committed to all of these law enforcement reforms. Yes, we most certainly are. I mean, the law enforcement, and for that matter, government, derives its power from the will of the people. So when the will of the people is changed by events, even if those events might happen thousands of miles away, it is incumbent upon you to be responsive to them. And that's what we're trying to do with the ACT Plan. I was very concerned that some national directives would come down out of Washington, D.C. that would be incongruent with what we would want for law enforcement here in Pima County. Pima County is different than Minneapolis or Atlanta or Portland or Seattle. And so law enforcement should be driven at the local level. And that's what we're trying to do. Very proud of the fact that we are going to be highlighted in the National Sheriff's Association magazine for November, December as the key article on law enforcement reform. I'll be presenting at a national conference remotely uh, later this month. And we've been highlighted as a premier program by major county sheriffs of America. So we're really leading the way on these things. Uh, how are how is Pima County different from those other communities you mentioned? Well, there's some fundamental differences in the fact that we're a sheriff's department as opposed to a local police department. I think for the most part, Pima County and the, and the sheriff's department enjoys a great base of support from the community. But as we've seen, that base of support can be fractured by, you know, a outlying incident that we could not foresee or get in the way of. Um, so we want to be sure that we're always responsive. We're a border community, too, uh, Vivian, and that's an important element in, in the Pima County Sheriff's Department. Of the 31 border counties that abut the U.S.-Mexico border, we are the largest, and most people don't know that. Um, we're the second most populous behind San Diego County and the largest geographically. So these issues in law enforcement reform have also got to talk about border security issues. And I have been a strong advocate and will, as long as I'm blessed to be your sheriff, of the humanitarian crisis on our southern border. Uh, we're finding too many bodies in the deserts of Pima County, and that is a human rights tragedy. Yes. And we need to be responsible for that, as well as these other measures of reform. Other than what you've already talked about, what other changes do you plan to make to the sheriff's department in the future? Well, we're certainly going to uh, commit ourselves to the ACT plan. Um, that's an ongoing, it's a living, breathing plan that will ebb and flow with community concerns. And as we uh, learn more about it, it's not a, a sit-on-the-shelf plan. 
the other thing that we're implementing is a rural safety district, which will be out at Robles Junction, which is kind of between Western Metropolitan, Pima County, and Ajo. Uh, we have a facility out there. I've been successful in getting uh, federal grant funding for 10 additional deputies. So we're going to be putting together that rural district, which will better serve the communities of Sasabe and Aravaca that honestly have been underserved for decades and also address the transnational crime threats coming up alongside the Tonal Autumn Reservation, but also the humanitarian issues of migrants that get lost in the deserts. Our deputies will be cross-trained in search and rescue, so we know that we're going to save lives by being out there, and we'll be able to interdict more dangerous drugs coming across the border. We're going to be implementing biometric devices in our detention center. I'm wearing a Fitbit right now, and as I look at it, I see that my pulse is currently 70 which means I'm, I'm relatively healthy and I'm not in medical distress. Well, we're going to be implementing a congressions grade device like that so that if an inmate all of a sudden has a, a heart rate of 135, but they're in their cell, we know something's wrong. It should not be that high. Or if the pulse rate were to go to zero. Uh, so I'm very pleased with that. We'll be implementing community engagement specialists, which will be mental health professionals that will go out and take care of some of the calls that currently deputies go out to. And deputies may not be the right uh, tool for that. We'll also be um, working on our strategic plan. When I took office, we had no strategic plan. Now we do have a strategic plan that sets uh, clear three to five-year goals for our department. And finally, the last two are professional development. Uh, The department has let that slide. We are committed to uh, both at the line level and the executive level, engaging in thoughtful professional development. I guess that goes back to my heart of a teacher. And I I really believe in professional development. I've committed my life to that. And then the last thing is compensation reform. Currently, we don't have a compensation plan. And the worst possible plan is no plan at all. And that has been the case for more than a decade at the Sheriff's Department. So before I end my next term in office, I'd like to have a solid compensation plan that is reasonable and sustainable. I've been speaking with Mark Napier. Thank you very much for joining us today and letting us know your thoughts as you're running to be the Republican candidate for the Pima County Sheriff. Thank you, Vivian. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and and, uh, I've enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you. Our next guest is Chris Nanos, Democratic candidate for Pima County Sheriff. My first question to you is, why are you uniquely qualified to be our county sheriff? Well, there are a number of reasons why I'm uniquely qualified to be their sheriff. One, of course, is I was the former sheriff. Uh, in 2015, Clarence Dutnick stepped down and uh, I was appointed sheriff by the Board of Supervisors. Um, but there's other reasons too. One, I have over 41 years of law enforcement experience behind me. I spent nearly 20 of those years in a command level executive police management position. I've worked my way through the ranks. I I actually started at the ground floor with the Sheriff's Department as a police officer and worked my way all the way to the top. I I worked in areas of patrol for over 10 years. I was a detective for nearly 10 years. Uh, I worked assignments such as homicide, narcotics, sex crimes, child abuse, um, fugitive investigations, even internal affairs. I've worked pretty much all over that department and I've commanded different district stations and as well as different divisions, the patrol division, the criminal investigations division. I was appointed chief deputy, the first chief deputy the department had seen in almost 15 years. And I served this department for just over 32 years. I know its culture, I know its history, I know its infrastructure. 
I know it's ins and outs. I know it's people. And more importantly, they know me. In fact, that's why I'm running. They they know my character. They know my heart. They know what I'm made of. And they've asked me to come back. And that's, why I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I look at it as their family. Well, I have a large family. There were 10 of us, five boys and five girls who I grew up as kids. And family means a lot to me. But I can't think of anybody other than my wife that I spent 30 plus years, eight hours a day with. And I'm excited for this race and I'm excited to get back. What do you see as the one or two most critical issues that need to be addressed in this position? You know, there's so many, but I'll tell you right now that to me, they kind of intertwine and I'll try to explain that. Number one, the, the top issue right now is staffing. Um, it, 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 it's staffing by far. It impacts so much of, of what a law enforcement agency can do or, or does do. It impacts the number one mission to be able to provide service. We're a public service agency. And if our staffing levels aren't there, how do we provide the proper amount level of service that you have come to expect, that the communities come to expect? And rightfully so. I, our numbers right now, our staffing numbers, are at, we've never seen 30, 40 years, 50 years of staffing this low. It's just not happened. And it impacts our, our ability to respond to calls. When I was in charge in 2015, 16, our response times were three minutes and 56 seconds. Those were some of the fastest response times in the state for a priority one call. Today, according to Kagan report, was they were showing seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 minute response times. That's just unheard of, especially if you're someone who's needing emergency help right now. That's that every second counts. So that's pretty critical. The other thing though that it impacts is it impacts public safety in a way that I don't think people realize. It's kind of ironic that we have for 19 consecutive years as a nation, our crime rate has gone down. Yet in Pima County, the last four years, it's actually increased. I think a lot of this relates back to the fact that we're unable to respond to calls, that we need to be there and do the things that we do beyond just calling, going to calls, being visible, being in our community, letting people see us, being involved and active. And those things are, are virtually immeasurable but I know, as I think you know and understand, that the presence of the police force is critical to reducing crime, as are some other things we'll talk about later. But stepping in, it impacts our department in other ways too. For example, if we're gonna engage in those extracurricular, if you will, activities that we talk about, such as community policing efforts, or we want to do more police reform measures, you have to be diverse in your hiring practices and we need to increase our presence in those programs that have shown to be effective in community policing programs like our school resource officer programs. You know, I brought that back uh, after it gone away for years because I felt it was important that we are involved with the community and the youth in our community. If you really look at what a sheriff's job is, it's to reduce crime and you can't have a better crime reduction program than being involved with the future, your kids. It's, it's a common fact now, if you don't graduate high school, you stand a seven times greater chance of going to our jail. Mm. How hard is it to graduate high school? I did it, I, and I wasn't there half the time. So I know that our kids can use the help that, that our school resource officers can give them. They're great mentors. I can't think of any better mentoring individuals than the deputies, the young men and women that work for our department. 
and they've done some excellent jobs, but they need more help. To be able to increase those kind of activities takes more staff. And that's one of the biggest problems I think facing us in a lot of other areas. What are your priorities regarding law enforcement or law enforcement reform? Well, when it comes to reform, I don't think of it as police reform. I actually think of it as, as judicial reform. And there's a difference for that. There's a reason for that. I mean, when we think about the Black Lives Matters and their movement, I don't believe our black communities ever were, were, were suggesting that their lives matter more than white lives or brown lives or anybody's lives. What they're saying is that simply that their lives matter too. Their lives matter also. They just want to be treated equal. They don't want to be treated better than whites, better than, than the Hispanics. They just want to be treated as equals. And for some reason, over the last two to 400 years, whatever time frame you look at, somewhere along the way, they've never been really included in that conversation when it comes to equality. And so that, I think, is critical. We need to understand that that our justice system, it's not just police. There's some horrific things going on in our police agencies around this country too, but I'm talking the entire justice system. Let me say something. When I, when I was sheriff, I don't even know that we called it judicial reform, but I was doing judicial reform before it ever became a politically correct thing to do. I reduced our jail population by 20%. I looked at who was in our jail and why are they there? And, and what can we do to, to do better than we're doing with our jail? I looked at things such as our mental health facilities and we brought in a mental health community board to look at how we deal with mental health issues. We sent commanders out into other agencies across the country to learn what they do and find ways to make things work. One of the things we did that helped with our jail population was, I looked at our jails and I said, you know, we have, at the time we were at 2,000 inmates, we had 80% of those inmates were just waiting for trial. They're not convicted of anything. They're, they're, they're actually innocent. If we really believe in our judicial system, they're just waiting for trial. Of that 80%, 93% of them were waiting for trials for low-level, non-violent misdemeanors or felonies, felonies like shoplifting or drug paraphernalia, possession of a pipe. These are people that are sitting there waiting uh, for a trial. And the reality is, I, if, if Chris Daniels commits murder today, he'll be out in a few hours because Chris Daniels can afford a bail. But a large number of those who struggle with poverty, you can make that bail as low as $20. If they don't have $20, they're going to sit in our jails for months on end waiting for trial. At what point in time do we say your freedom is based upon the size of your wallet, the size of your bank account? That's not fair. And that's what our judicial system's about, is being fair and just. So I worked closely with Scott Bales, who was at the time the Chief Justice for Arizona, on looking at no bail reform and, and, and no bail at all. There's states like New Jersey, New York, who are early on, but they're experimenting with it and looking at it. You know, bail is real simple. Bail is about to make you sure that you're going to show up for court or more importantly, that you're not threatening anybody. You're not gonna be a harm to anybody. If you hurt somebody, you belong in jail. You threaten hurt somebody, you belong in jail. It's just that simple. We're not, we're not, we're not even going to quibble on that. However, if you're someone who's sitting there waiting for a shoplifting charge 
where say you suffer from uh, a drug addiction, mental illness, why are you in my jail? Jail is a place for bad people, not sick people. And we've seen too many sick people in our jails. TPD has a deflection program. Our current sheriff is looking at a deferment pro program. He wants nothing to do with deflection. I think that's a mistake. Tucson police has found something that others have looked at and it works. Don't get these people into our system. And then if they do well, we defer them. Let's keep them out of our system. Judicial reform isn't just about race. That's a big part of it. But it's also about how we look at what we're doing with our war on drugs and our war on crime. To me, it's more about we should be fighting a war on poverty because that's really one of the biggest impacts we see for crime. I have one more question for you. And that is, what changes do you plan to make to the sheriff's department in the future? When I was sheriff, people would ask me to come out and talk about law enforcement in Pima County. And I'm telling you, I was always so proud to sit that back and, and just brag a little bit about the deputies out there who did a great job. And my whole team, it's not just deputies, it's corrections officers. So I'd give stories about how for years, every year, I'd have a team of deputies on their own, not because the boss told them or anybody else said it, they would go to the community food bank once a year and stuff hundreds of thousands of bags of foods just for the community food bank. Mm -hmm. I had corrections officers who devised a program using a software program in Skype to help those military veterans, those military uh, kids really that were being deployed across to other lands, fighting wars, to help them stay connected with their family for free of charge. I had civilians who would walk out during their own lunch hour on their own time and go to the soup kitchen just to feed those less fortunate. We talked about being engaged in our community. We're talking about being involved in our community. Those things have gone away, and it's a shame. And the reason they've gone away is because morale has sunk so low. It's not something you can really measure but it impacts us in so many ways, not just our drive and our desire to do a good job. It hurts our spirit, our human spirit, and people just move on. And they become upset and, and tired of, of working there. And so they leave. So you have this great attrition problem, again, back to our staffing problems. I don't think our sheriff is concerned with morale. I think he's more concerned about what's going on in Washington, D.C., than he is what's going on in his own backyard. And that's a shame. So when you ask me what's the changes, there's so many changes. One is to get back to doing what we're doing for reform, looking at our jails, looking at training. Training is so critical. Who trains, what's training, why it's trained. Who trains is big too, because here's the thing. I have a SWAT team, they're great men and women, they're critical, they, their mission is very precise, very determined. It is a, does require a warrior mindset. But they use so small portion of the time. I want them trained and well-equipped and well-established. I love those men and women. Problem is, our SWAT team makes up 100% of the training staff. What kind of results are you going to get with that kind of training? We need to have a guardian mindset. We need to have people who, are, who can come in and teach you how to de-escalate situations, how to respond to different neighborhoods and different communities, and make it more of a, of a, a Mayberry feel, if you will. Just be a part of this community. Get back to being involved. See, these young men and women that work for us, they are a part of this community. They send their kids to schools, they go to church, they shop here, they love it here. But if they're not backed and supported, they move on. 
and we lose out as as not just the department, not just the sheriff, but the community as a whole. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being with us. I've been speaking with Chris Nanos, who's a Democratic candidate for the Pima County Sheriff. We hope you've learned something new today about the candidates that are running for Pima County Sheriff. Tune in next week at the same time for another edition of Your Voting Guide by the League of Women Voters. You can learn more about the League at our website, lwvtucson.org. You've been listening to Your Voting Guide by the League of Women Voters on KXCI 91.3 FM. All episodes of this series are on kxci.org after they have been broadcast. This show is recorded and produced by Amanda Shager. This is Vivian Hart. Until next time, bye-bye. On November 3, you need to be seen. It's time to come to the aid. Come to the aid. Come to the aid.